0: In times like these, the big question on everyone's mind is where do we go from here? What happens next? We're not quite yet at a period of desperation, and we can take heart in the fact that no one is starving that we are able to take care of each other. No one is truly desperate, but that desperation is creeping in on a wider scale that previously in the back-to-back crises of coronaphobia and the George Floyd riots protests, that desperation is about to get a lot worse, and I've had to t- I had to say I I told you so a lot recently. I don't li- I don't you know I I I don't like to be standing alone going Hey I I told you so if you would just listen and I'm not the only one but if you would listen like Ron Paul calling out the coronavirus hoax you know months ahead of most people you, who do you listen to who do you pay attention to in times like this and now i'm i'm at this point where i can't predict where the curve of tyranny goes next there are too many human factors and it's important to keep in mind that the coronaphobia crisis is not the health crisis it is the forced unemployment crisis and The desperation that comes with this is really only starting to set in. Get ready. I hope you've been ready. This might be the last chance for a lot of people to move, to relocate, to invest in metals or cryptocurrency. To develop other mechanisms of independence self-sufficiency, to protect yourself from the desperation of others, to be able to help people in your community, to be able to provide the connections and the support and the relationships to prevent this desperation from becoming much worse, more painful. So I've been asked a lot, you know, where is this going? And I can't say it's this is what's going to happen with a whole lot of certainty in the bigger picture, right? We could be at the worst of things right now. And we could see a complete end to restrictions. We could see a general social consensus over the next few weeks. That this whole thing was at at least a false alarm. The cure was worse than the disease. And we can get on with our lives. We can rebuild the economic relations. We can rebuild businesses. We can build new ones with a new awareness, with telecommuting, with better hygiene, and all of the, the, the great silver linings. Capture the good, get rid of the bad. We could see a wave of government reforms around policing in America and we're starting to see that right oh, yeah. Minneapolis i I don't want to count chickens before they've hatched but considering defunding their police force get you know and, and this is not in and of itself revolutionary this is evolutionary it's happened before It's not an abolition of government law enforcement in the area to get rid of a city police force when you have a county sheriff's department fully capable of enforcing the law. And you reduce law enforcement resources, you get them a lot closer to having to just enforce real crimes, crimes with victims, natural law violations, none of this drug war crap, none of this regulatory crap, none of this handcuffing people for jaywalking as we're going to see video of here today you know it's just you you if and if you had those two things that they're they're possible right could we are we capable we are capable of this america we could do it we could we could we could face up to and give both of these manufactured crises the attention that they deserve resolve them Get back to business, and even with that, winter is coming. If we do that, if we, if we really uh, accomplish those two unprecedented feats of national social consciousness, could we could we take care of each other and soften the blow and help get people back to work and? put a voluntary social safety net together or people really coming together and help each other out? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Of course we could do that. It's still going to be bad. Now, the odds of it being that good and that quick, pretty low. Even if that happens, say it happens a year from now instead of a month from now, Winter is coming. You think I'm selling gold or silver myself. I'm not actually right now. I really should be. And I you know, I, I really want with what we're doing with Adam versus the man to not be about fear mongering. You know, I'm not going to take advantage of the doom scrolling effect, right? That you're going to use bad news and threat. No, this is like, I, if anything, I, I hope that I can put these threats in perspective and say, yeah, be prepared. Like the Boy Scouts, be prepared. So, what are the worst case scenarios? You know, how 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 much worse could it get than that? Because in the best case scenario, realistically, it's not going to happen quickly. It might take a year. It might take two or three years. It might take a couple of election cycles, and the effect of the suppression of the forced unemployment crisis of the economic manipulation remaining in place over that time is going to create. And you know what? I keep referencing this story, Jim, Rob Michelle, JP Morgan analyst saying that the conventional economic analysis here, that just the unemployment crisis we're experiencing today is going to take something like 10 years to recover from. Winter is coming. Ten years to recover from that unemployment crisis is from the depths of winter, which would be coming in the next one to three years from now. I, we're not there yet. Things get better. Like, you know, the V-shaped recovery, it, it's not going to be V. It's a V with one much flatter side, right? Right. Even with that, man, there's winter is coming. Now, if it's worse, like, what are the, like, how much worse could things get? Trump talking about sending national troops in to Seattle, to downtown, not downtown, but to Chaz, the Capitol Hill region, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone.
1: To shut it down. Oh, that's definitely a story we're going to get more into today.
0: Could this be used for an overall expansion in police powers and budgets? I kind of doubt it. Temporarily under coronaphobia and the the general martial law we've got where you can arrest someone for not wearing a mask in some states, like if you feel like it, or if they don't, I mean, there's just, it's crazy what cops can get away with right now. Could that, could it stay that way for a while? What kind of cumulative negative economic impact could that have? Preventing people from getting back to work. If the law enforcement function is able to continue to, now it could be not as bad for a lot of people, you know, in the way that cops are able to be cool about some things, you know, you couldn't get your registration fixed because DMV, because Corona, it's cool, man, I'll give you some of that's happening. And in a sense, that's happening with the legal system in a bigger way, letting out criminals from federal prisons and, and, and overcrowded jails at state and local levels, at all levels, it's happening, right? A lot of uh you know stuff that you would have to appear in court for in person, just courts being shut down. There's gonna be a huge backlog, you know. I don't know about you, Jim, but I've I've got people I know personally dealing with probation issues who had a court date and it was like oh they're getting continuances to which means in you know legal terms just a, a complete deferment. Uh things just being waved left and right, you know, like that's but if jails are staying full and police have more power to rip you off, to you know, restrict your economic activity like that's really what it comes down to, widespread economic suppression, because it's all engineered, all the responses so the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, right? So how much worse could it get with coronaphobia i don't know you know see this is where i'm seeing the headlines creeping up now second wave coming states are arizona right here super hot spot now be very very afraid Of a virus with a lower mortality rate than testifying against Hillary Clinton. Sorry, I did it again. I, but what, I had all these other good ones yesterday. Now I'm like focused on what I'm trying to say and I'm not, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, this is here. We're giving away a free membership to our Telegram patron only chat group and the backstage access to the show for the best deadlier than joke coronavirus Deadlier than,
1: less deadly than,
0: yeah. Anyway, fill in the
1: blank. Yeah. Hopefully, we we'll get some good ones on that.
0: <sighs> so, how much worse could that get? Could they continue shutdowns? I, mm, I, I think we're going to be able to emerge from this. Like, like we said, what the worst case scenario? Like, I'm, I'm trying to paint for you like a range of like how, you know, a curve of the worst case scenarios and a curve of best case scenarios. And in the worst case, they they bully us into hazmat suit world, right? Like you can do whatever you were doing before as long as you're wearing a mask and gloves the whole time, and you'll get a ticket if it slips down over your nose if you're ever within six feet of another person. In New Mexico, the wards, like in New Mexico, wow. New Mexico has gone silly like hmm, you never go full retard. Oh my gosh. And I I mean that in the politically correct way, I think. But no, New Mexico. Apparently you can't go order at a drive-through without a mask on. That you you might sneeze or breathe the coronavirus into the, the fast food restaurant while passing your card like okay you i mean they can sterilize the process from the other end they don't have to like ah uh, really oh this and and oh for travel uh in new mexico apparently now not all travel but i forget mike said it, what was the term he used you were like for Casual traveler within a city. Two people in a vehicle. Two people in a vehicle for, yeah, but yeah, he's traveling with five. Uh, inter- the way he said it was interstate was okay, but within a city, or yeah, it was it was two per vehicle, and you're just like, and we see what they've been capable of over the last few months. All of that could get worse with a new virus as the excuse. In a way, with everyone, we kind of dampen what they can get away with, but what if there was an actual deadly virus? Like humanity hasn't experienced since the Black Plague. You know, something, which I, I... Was that a bacteria? Bubonic plague? Anyway, whatever it was, you know, there was something of, of that scale. What, you know, what if something of that scale comes along or they're able to convince, what if it's something that's just two or three times as deadly as Corona? But they're able to inflate it the way that they did with Corona for a while and their their response is that much worse. People defaulting on loans, credit card payments, bills, rent, mortgages, employment, businesses staying closed. Even with reopening happening, they're trying to scare us out of it already. The headlines, fear-mongering, surges in cases all over the country, new hotspots left and right. Be afraid, be very afraid. And one way or another, there is one Prediction that I am fairly certain of. I mean, 98, 99% confidence from the best case scenario to the worst. And the worst definitely being short of apocalypse. It's not time to get desperate. It's time to get prepared. But in any of these likely scenarios, everything I can see from the range of the best-case scenario to the worst-case scenario, winter is coming. We are in for a prolonged economic downturn.
1: Be prepared.
0: And today is, what day is it? It's Thursday? It's Thursday. It's Thursday. I lost track. Man. It's still crazy times we're living and every day seems like a week sometimes when you're trying to keep up with the news. We got a ton of headlines to get through today. No guests, a lot of good comments, I'm sure. We want your best deadlier than jokes. Comment Jim Freedom is going to be keeping track of those. It is June 11, 2020. Uh, I got to apologize. I am not, I am not wearing sunglasses in the studio to be cool. Although it is kind of nice. It's a little more relaxing because it is it is brighter. We got a lot of natural light on, on the No Force One studio right now. At the Beautiful as Ernie Hancock would say with freedom, dot com, um uh, the beautiful garden of freedom here in the mountains of Arizona. And I still my eyes still messed up. It's probably gonna be through through Monday. Um, I should I tell people how gross this thing was? Should I show them? For the people who are like, at, cause the only people who are ever going to see this are the ones who watch right. the whole video production. Now the whole video is available later. Right. But the people who just listen to the audio and the people who just watch the clips do not get to see it. Please. It's just, it's just, it's not, it's a sty. If you've never had a sty, good for you. You're really lucky. It's this weird thing. Some people, uh, you have a susceptibility to them. I've only ever had them like at one other time in my life, and I don't. Know, it was some weird allergic pollen response or something. It's basically a whitehead on the inside of your eyelid, and right away, like if I wasn't experiencing it, if someone else was describing this to me, I, like I get super cringy, you know, with other people's pain, you know, I, you know, more than my own even. But it's painful and annoying, and just today it's starting to get better. It's it's not painful. It's just puffy, and it's still really annoying. So you're welcome for putting on sunglasses for the show today and not subjecting you to my my little evil eye. So uh, I I hope that opening monologue was uh, you know sort of practical one for people. You know, one of the things we like to do with Adam versus the man. Is not just, hey, here's the news and here's a libertarian ranting about it, but to come up with a you know a lens on the world that is practical and helpful. And if you're wondering, hey, could things really get better? And they might for you, uh, could things get way worse? Yes, but really not that much worse, at least in 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 the near term. At least it's it's not it doesn't seem likely. Seems like of all the negative dynamics of, of society that we're experiencing right now, the checks and balances upon them are strong. Both as John McCain was, would have said, the fundamentals of the economy are strong. I don't have a good John McCain voice. Anyway, um, but if you can have confidence, if my analysis there, and this, you know, this came out of our conversation at the campfire last night with uh, with, with Helen and Peter that uh you know where you know the, the way that, that, that Helen want to know where things are going. And you know, later looking at all the economic news today and kind of putting this together, I, I was able to get confidence in this, you know, this 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 analysis for myself. So comment Jim Freedom in studio today. Any hot comments so far this morning? Any oh, any interesting good. uh well, reactions
1: to uh to that opener? I don't have any um anybody with the worst end, corona's worst end yet so I'm keeping track of that. But before we do comments, uh, CJ has a few CJ producer notes. Let's get all, all three on stage here. What a beautiful
2: Domo origato, Mr. Robato. You, uh, you're about as blurry as a guy with a sty in his eye. Uh-oh. And, uh, yeah, it, I mean, as you get smaller on the screen, you get a little bit better. But as you go full screen, you're choppy. There's a few complaints of audio. I've checked the feeds. The audio is just fine. I want to remind people, we're an audio podcast first and a visual podcast second. Uh, so, you know, as uh, hopefully we get more uh, resources put into this, we will be able to have, you know, less choppy feed. As you can see, Jim here is crystal clear. I'm crystal clear. And, but the, the, but, uh, again, here we are with, uh, Mr. Roboto. Alright, let's,
0: let's try to switch over then.
2: Yeah. Well, before let's we see. cover headlines and you want to make, uh, the daily clips out of them, I'd highly suggest it. But again, uh, uh, while I'm on the screen here, producer at com, you can catch me over there. If you're looking to join as a guest, you can reach out to me again there. Uh, we're going to be moving the show an hour earlier starting Monday, which I'm so excited for 11 o'clock central standard time, noon, Eastern, uh, nine Pacific. And we'll be able to deliver that. There you go. Clear as a bell. And, uh, we'll be able to, we'll be able to deliver you guys, uh, the, the daily show here uh, a little earlier. So that, uh, looking forward to that, sir. Other than that, that's uh, all I've got for today. Awesome. and Jim and I want to talk for a second
0: here at least about the Patreon chat and how much fun we're having in Telegram with people there feeding us stories and ideas and being able to talk about the show and what we're going to be covering before the show starts and our new Patreon tiers that we've got set up basically and just anybody who's been a Patreon up to this point congratulations you got grandfather and so we have Three tiers, we simplified things, and uh, I don't know, where's is, is the copy finalized? It doesn't matter, we can promote it anyway, I, right? I did change it. Yep, all right. Well, we're going to be, uh, we're always open to changing this and, and, you know, answering your requests. If someone says, hey, Adam, I want, so what we have, like, we have three tiers, good, better, and best. So our good Patreons, our good patrons are the ones who give us $5 a month and get access to all the cool behind the scenes stuff and patron exclusive content that we put on our Patreon page. $10 a month gets you the backstage pass that those, those are our, our better patrons because they're better people. Basically, that's, that's what we're trying to say here with these, (laughs) with these tiers, obviously. And so, you know, if you get, if you, if you give us $10 a month, and this is really the critical point. We hope that we get as many of these as we can. People who want to be a part of the show and be collaborators and, you know, uh, co-producers, really being behind the scenes, talking about content and being in the premier chat group that Jim is going to be monitoring and CJ during the show. And we really do appreciate already the people who are in there, uh, like especially shout out to, uh, to Matt and Kareem and Nicholas. Uh, I think those are the three who have been the most active recently in there, right? Yeah. And, you know, getting us content and feedback. Oh, and, uh, ooh, now I'm like, I think I'm afraid to forget her name, but there was another person there saying, uh, that she was going to help us with guests. And so cool. guests, oh, that was Karine. Okay. So I didn't mention Karine. So, uh, so that gets us, uh, you know, a way to connect with people who are serious about helping spread this message and develop this. And, you know, it's based on, we have this awesome core committed team of, you know, Jim and myself and CJ and making sure that we have consistent content coming out five days a week like we're doing now. Really happy with this production model. And for $50 a month, you can be one of our best patrons. And that gets you, you get to, I'll be your friend on Facebook. And I might even follow you on twitter uh whatever you know whatever you want for social media connections and uh you get to be in the front of the line whenever we do guests or callers uh from our backstage it's one of the cool things about being backstage it's really cool to just pop someone up and if they if they've got the link it's a really cool platform that cj's got set up for us uh to to have guests and bring on live callers and it's just great today's technology if you've got a decent connection with a smartphone Uh, you want to plug in through our Telegram group, you get the link, you're in the backstage, you can send a chat and say, hey, I want to come on, I got something to say about this. If you're one of our best patrons, one of the best people out there, we will definitely get you up on the front of the line there. And then, if you know, when I say like we're flexible, if someone, like, if you really were feeling generous, if you're, like, one of the few people who still has a good job right now, and you wanted to be... You want to, you want to give us $100 a month. Of course, you can always do that, but we would even create a special tier for you. If you wanted there to be the $100 a month, bestest patron category, we could do that. If you want to add perks, if you want to do anything else with this, you know, we are, we are at your service. We're here to provide the best information and entertainment experience that we can for you five days a week in this format. And we want to get our budget up so that we can get I mean, first to have like an, you know, unquestionable internet out here, rurally, whatever the next step is, satellite or microwave, you know, we're not there yet, but, uh, to, to build a studio, to get social media people on, on board, uh, as volunteers or staff, all these things we want to do to make sure that we build this conversation, the community around the show of people who comment and question me and challenge me and make sure that when we do say that we're trying to provide uh, a good practical overview of the world and uh, world events from an American libertarian perspective. I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, they, they we're giving, uh, giving you all the best product, product that we can. Jim, oh, we got comments on screen
1: here.
0: I $1,500 a month. We should get a quarter acre of the Freedom Ranch and our own Earth <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that would be awesome. Um, I don't think we need to use Patreon for that. If you, if you, and, and, um, I, I guess we can talk about this as kind of a general, uh, offer that we make here with the Garden of Freedom. Uh, first of all, if you want to come out and visit for a week, if you have a good reason to, you send me an email, you convince me that you should, you know, come camp here for a week and that you might move out or you're going to learn from it or be able to contribute something in the future. You know, uh, yeah, generally, if, if you're welcome here, we we want to get people plugged in to come out and do a trial week out here and see how they, like, living in uh, super country. Oh, great. So country, I should have a really dumb accent, but yeah. I don't. Um, I was just thinking about Jeff Foxworthy making fun of the southern accent. Like, if Einstein was – I got to do, like, my Jeff Foxworthy impression. If Einstein, I, oh man, I can't. But if Einstein came out and was saying A equals MC squared, we'd all be like, shut the hell up, Al. Get back. No, shut up, Al. Go, go brush your hair and comb your teeth. Right? But because he spoke with a German accent, you know, and it was, and we took him intellectually seriously. Uh, but no, if, if anybody wants to come out here and, you know, be out here for uh, for a week as a trial, we really encourage that and uh you can send me an email adam at thefreedomline.com i have my whiteboard organized from an interview yesterday adam at thefreedomline.com in case anybody needs to see that in whiteboard handwriting because that's so helpful in the age of the internet right um we should do more whiteboard stuff i should have done the the curve of like best and worst case
1: on there (laughs) anyway um Where where are we going with Uh, that? There's a couple comments here. You told me to remind you about Matthew Baxley in the backstage chat. Let's do it. He said, "If you're going to talk about sports, Washington parentheses, slave owner) Redskins parentheses, Mm -hmm. racial slur) are Ah, still a team. Hypocrisy? Question mark?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Now, because I've I've covered this in the past, like this Washington Redskins." name controversy came up when I was doing Adam versus the man from the apartment in
1: Virginia in 2011. 2012 time frame, yeah. Um,
0: Even when I was in jail and I was getting my news from the Washington Post or the Washington Compost as Mark Levin would refer to it. Um, And I, I... I was confident in my analysis of like, this is a low priority to identify with or celebrate a race, you know, even with a, with with a, with a, you know, if, if, you know, I can imagine Carlos Mencia joking about them Redskins, not them N-words. Yeah. Like, that in and of itself is is, is is a particularly loaded term. You know, and I would say, you know, for the, for the Native American community, for a lot of people, red skin is, is also, but not by itself as a term, charged the same way. And I wish the N-word was demystified at this point. Like, and it's not quite. Maybe it never will. Maybe it never needs to be. In a sense, on a lot of these cultural, because this comes down to a matter of like cultural preference. I definitely have a preference against it, but is my preference so strong? Like, and I'm already—I don't give the NFL any money at all. Like, I do not. Like, I like you know the same way I boycott Hollywood. I'll download movies, and I'm not as—I'm not like that strict in my boycott. Like, it's kind of like me being a vegan. It's it's really i was really like I boycott animal products that are unethical. Like and I that I'm the best vegan ever. I'm just a personal choice conscious consumerist vegan. That means I don't have to be a dick about it. (laughs) Like if you're serving meat, you're making stuff like okay, cool. I didn't buy it. I didn't order it. I'll eat it. You know and and and, you know it's just uh, you know my way of making sure that my choices are in line with my ethics.
1: So.
0: You know, I'm I'm like the same way with movies and sports. If uh someone want to invite me to a football game, like I would probably go just for the, Is that a thing now? What's What's the status with the with with pro sports? I'm like I got to stop and think, it's June. What season is it? What sport what pro sports are in season right well, now? there is
1: the first comment we had out the game football Bob outdoors. Your thoughts on NASCAR banning the Confederate flag? That's, that's I guess NASCAR is probably the support.
0: Yeah, I saw that someone. You know, it's like a hot cultural divide. Like I, I kind of want to stay away from that. It was a story like, in that it's the same thing with Washington. I'm glad you mentioned this together, because these are two issues. I'm just like, eh, 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 that's low mm. priority. Like it's it's ugly. Like, I would never do something like that. I would, I would never wave a Confederate flag. I would never, like, I get it for the, the, that for some people, and then there are blacks that, like, I don't mean to, like, I don't even want to wade into this. It's kind of like George Carlin. I like to leave symbols to the symbol minded. Right? If, if you really care about symbols, you're, you're kind of, you're dumb. Like if you real, if you really care, like when there are bigger things to care about, you know, are, are, does does the name Washington Redskins make the Washington Metro Police Department act more racist? No, no, mm, no, that's not a thing. Is it a minor, could you go to say this is a minor reflection of humanity's dehumanization? If you display a Confederate flag, are you being inconsiderate? You know, if you have it at home and it's subtle and it's your family heritage, you know, that's one thing. And I would say the same thing with the Nazi flag. Like, if you had a family member who was a Nazi... And you want to have, like, a little shelf of Nazi memorabilia. People are going to, like, really wig out. of the Jews, talking about Nazis, like, in a positive light. No, I'm not. I'm talking yeah. about just, like, basic appreciation for historical artifacts. Dear John, right? I'm not a Nazi. Yeah dear, John, yeah, dear John, I am not a Jewish Nazi. Yeah, just taking that absolutely <laughs> clear here. Um, so, with, like, you know, Washington Redskins, Nazi memorabilia, and the Confederate flag. What do these things have in common? Stupid shit. We should not allow ourselves to be divided over. I can say that with certainty. What do I think about that? <laughs> like, try. I I feel like I'm obli- I should be obligated to answer this question, but like, I don't. My maybe my stance is, I don't want to publicly articulate a personal preference that's just gonna piss people off. I'll express it in my private consumer choices. And even in all of my relevant consumer choices to these three things, like I will never, ever go buy Nazi memorabilia for my own historical collection, right? Like, if it's in a museum and I get to go see it, I'll buy a ticket and support the museum and, like, cool, maybe that's an appropriate place for it, right? Washington Redskins. I'm never in my life going to buy a ticket to a Washington Redskins game for lots of other bigger reasons than that their name is. The, and I goes it was for all professional football teams. Now that I have a problem with it or I'm against people doing that, but it's against my values to give money to a manipulative system of bread and circuses and, and social manipulation and pacification and militarization that modern pro sports are obviously a part of same thing with like the movies. Like, do I care about, you know, the message of a movie. No, it doesn't matter. I might watch it from an anthropological analysis perspective, right? If there's a super popular movie or a movie of political significance, I might watch it in order to know about it, but I'm never going to go buy a ticket. I'll, I'll download it uh, somewhere for free. You know, that horse is dead. Cultural preferences and minor, you know, microaggression, inoffensive stuff. Yeah. Okay. Topic covered and smothered. We have any more any more
1: hot comments, Jim? Before we get into this big pile of headlines at 10:43. I going through again to make sure I didn't miss any other contest People, I don't know if people oh, are deb- reminded they're getting yeah. distracted. We need to hear people's comments on what a good joke for what's. Worse than Corona. Coronavirus.
0: Less deadly. Oh man, we could go dark with this. Than a ride in a uh, what's than an Ospre- in an osprey helicopter. Oh. Mmm. Less deadly than. Oh man, we had a, I had I had like five good ones off the yeah, top yeah, of my head yeah, yeah. yesterday. Um. <laughs> Well, we do got a lot less of deadly than talking to less deadly than talking to a cop on the street. That one's real. And that's probably about accurate, isn't it? Yeah. Unfortunately. And that, you know what? I don't want to exaggerate. They're probably about on par. I don't know what a thousand. No, oh, no, oh, it's not. Oh, yeah. Well, no, you're not here. You can qualify it with, um, Less deadly than being in a situation where a cop accuses you of a risk of, of resisting arrest. There you Definitely, go. there you go. There's there's a there's a fair comparison. All right, to zerohedge.com, we're going to continue with the economic analysis theme for the first part of today's show from zerohedge.com via shiftgold.com. U.S. living standards are about to be squeezed as never before a Yale economist warns of dollar crash. Peter Schiff has been warning that real crash or that that real crash will be a dollar crash. Now, some people in the mainstream are starting to sound that alarm as well. Even before the coronavirus pandemic, Peter was warning about the dollar's demise during an interview on RT last September. He warned that America's fiscal profligacy Was going to sink the dollar. Quote What has enabled this over the years has been the world's willingness to hold US dollars as the primary reserve currency and to continue to loan money to Americans and to the US government so we can continue to live beyond our means. We can have enormous government programs that we don't pay for, and we can consume all kinds of goods that we don't manufacture. And we can live in an economy based on consumption and debt without having to save or produce. The world has done that for us. And I think this is what's going to come to an end. I think we're going to see a collapse in the value of the dollar. And when the dollar does collapse, America's power is going to dissipate. And Americans are going to have to deal with the reality that we've hollowed out our infrastructure. We've been living beyond our means. And there's going to be a day of reckoning for these years of excesses, and this is an echo of the story that we brought you. Was it yesterday? I think about now. Can we finally collapse the dollar empire? And it's because what uh, Mr. Schiff is describing here is not just about the uh, U.S. economy and the turmoil that we're seeing here, and Americans waking up and rejecting the dollar, and the political support for a corrupt currency system fading, but the global mechanisms of people being bullied into using the dollar as the world reserve currency failing, people opting out. And we saw the first, and I'm really wary of these kinds of stories. Jim, you've been plugged in to the libertarian worldview narrative for how long now? A uh, couple uh, years. No, when did we meet? Like that Wasn't that one of the first tours? That was like five or six, yeah, years, six ago.
1: years
0: ago. So at least since then, you've been aware of the, the libertarian narrative of the world and, and understanding you knew what a fiat currency was from right. pretty early on in your process there. And, you know, I, I hate to diss Ron Paul on this one, right? But, and he's always more measured and, and precise in his language. Um, you know, he'll say headed towards a dollar collapse. He's not one of these alarmists, you know, and it's because Ron Paul is so credible in this. Um, and saying, you know, the, the dollar is, is being weakened by the, you know, federal reserve system, by printing money, by uh, borrowing inflation, yada, yada. But then there's all these sort of vultures around him going, the dollar's about to collapse. Buy gold now. Buy gold now. Buy gold. Buy my silver now. Buy now. Buy, you know, and it's like, "Whoa." Yeah, but I'm not buying from you cuz you're not the most efficient place to buy, and I should have pointed this out, right? I wouldn't, you know, I I I've promoted good businesses in the past, but uh, that that are not in business anymore. But when it comes to to, you know, buying gold or silver, Treat it like a commodity. And if anything, if there's a way that you can get it, like you can, you can order it online and there's a, there's a trail, right? There's a record of it. Whereas there are ways that you can buy it in person where you can give cash and, and buy, you know, one ounce silver rounds that are, you know, kind of as, as liquid money. But Jim, you've been hearing this whole time, right? There are people, the dollar's about to collapse. The dollar's about to collapse, right? Does it, does it, oh yeah. Have you, have you picked up on this as like this pattern wearing thin? Yeah, for a long time. Since Nixon took us off, took us took the dollar off the gold standard, right? Nineteen was it nineteen seventy one, nineteen seventy two. Anyway, so right now there's there's and, and there have been periods before where the uh, the dollar doomsdays have, have crept up in prominence, right? You've noticed this even over the last six years, like, uh, well, I don't know, You go back to like 2008, especially, um, the recession and the bailouts was the housing crisis and the, the related financial crisis and the bailouts. And you were, I mean, you were paying attention to the yeah. news during that time and there were a lot of doomsdays, even in just the, the general sort of mainstream news conversation. Some people saying the dollar is going to collapse. Some people saying there's going to be major upheaval, things like that. And yet, here we are, another period of upheaval. And you oh my gosh, it's bigger. Well, everyone is bigger than the one before. And, you know, and it's, it's is this going to be the one? Is this going to be the one? I, I don't know. The people running the system, I love saying this, literally have the best mathematicians that money can buy. To keep their system propped up, to keep it going, they can manipulate this really until the wheels fall off. What does that mean? Like, be like, and you know, some people. Like, but, but, Adam, look, what you just said proves you wrong. And that if if people around the world, if they stop using the dollar as the petrodollar, if they stop, you know, if they stop doing all these international trades with the dollar and the global reserve currency, it's going to collapse. Yeah but if governments are all still backing some form of fiat currency and there isn't a real paradigm and it's good like a shakeup in this day and age is going to lead to bigger bitcoin and 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 gold and silver adoption but like what if that what if they, there's a virus that makes you can't use physical gold and silver because it's the virus is live on the surface of those metals for up to 30 days if you you know like and you all right, fine. We'll sterile handle all of our silver. Okay, fine. Whatever. You you know, we get around it, but uh could they effectively outlaw cryptocurrency? Yes. Absolutely. It'd be hard, but you see now in the in in, in the w- w- because here's how they could do it. Right? they keep people locked down and shut down and in their homes and somewhat isolated. And then they start arresting individuals and kind of disappearing people, but doing it in a visible way where it's like people know, Oh shit. And it scares most people. All the, all they have to do, they don't have to make it impossible. They don't have to make it more illegal. Even all they have to do is scare adopters away. And that's why Ross Ulbricht drugs on the internet, mafia, kingpin, murder for hire. It's like a, that fear mongering that they use. So are we at a point now where the dollar is about to collapse? I don't know. We're definitely going to go through a period of devaluation of the dollar and the purchasing power, like we're definitely seeing that. The reason I the reason I'm not wrong is that if there is this period of upheaval and governments all around the world are still supporting fiat currencies, then you know maybe we see a new global fiat currency. Maybe that's the effect of the dollar collapsing. Maybe that's the next step of consolidation of wealth and power, the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. So moving on to another story from ZeroEdge.com. dot com. Third of renting Americans worried about next payment as recovery hopes fade. This from Tyler Durton. An alarming number of Americans are having trouble making rent payments amid a period of high unemployment and an unfolding depression across the US, at least didn't pay their latest monthly rent, and an even larger number of folks are worried about missing upcoming rent payments as the squeeze on households is getting worse, reported Bloomberg, citing the U.S. Census Bureau's Household Pulse Survey. Census Bureau's Household Pulse Survey showed in the last five weeks through June 2, 31% of households said they had little or no confidence about paying rent next month. The survey showed 11% of households with a mortgage skipped servicing payments last month and 16% said they wouldn't be able to make payments in the future. The consumer is in rough shape, despite President Trump touting of a V-shaped recovery and how the stock market, as it recognized, households, mainly ones of the bottom 90%, are getting absolutely crushed in this downturn. This sets the stage for a consumer that died with a bang because in a time of virtually no visibility on job prospects, economic recovery, and how the pandemic is resolved, consumer behavior suggests winter is here. That's the theme of the show today. So we could keep going with this. There's so much more economic news, but on to the next story from CNBC.com. Dow plunges 1,000 points, adds for worst day since April as airlines and retailers drop. <clears throat> we brought you the story from uh, last week of J.P. Diamond uh, or Jamie Diamond, J.P. Morgan CEO, finally admitting. Uh in, in I shouldn't say finally admitting. That's a dishonest framing. But in in a big way, publicly saying that the, the stocks are propped up by Federal Reserve spending right now. And that bubble might be popping as of yesterday. This story is from Wednesday at uh, 6.05 p.m. Stocks fell sharply on Thursday as coronavirus cases increased in some states. I guess this is updated. Maybe this is the wrong date. Uh, no, 604. Updated. I'm sorry. Updated 20 minutes ago. Excuse me. In the headline, not in the byline. Stocks fell sharply on Thursday as coronavirus cases increased in some states that are reopening up from lockdowns. Shares that have surged recently on hopes for a smooth reopening of the economy led the declines. The Dow Jones Industrial Average traded a thousand points lower, or 3.8 percent. The S&P slid at 3.1%, while the Nasdaq Composite dropped 2.2%. Now, you know what what this represents is a big pool of resources and the relative value next to the dollar that these things are all measured in. You know, points are just you know one way that they describe that pooling of resources. What we saw in this manipulation. Was a temporary propping up that I think the people who are behind this, they understand, you know, there's going to be, you know, why are we getting the Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd protest riots distracting us from this right now? Because if it, if it wasn't for that, would we would be asking, is the cure worse than the disease? And we'd be looking for the insider trading stories to call these people out to make sure that there's accountability for those who have ripped us off, are ripping us off. Kicking us while we're down, so to speak, with the coronaphobia crisis, rather using this as an excuse to keep us down economically and consolidate wealth and power, and as you know, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. and in terms of the source of all of this, we go to our next story with cnsnews dot com Federal debt tops twenty six trillion dollars for first time. Trump's $2 trillion in just 63 days. When, oh, when are we going to flatten this curve? You know, I I almost like, you know, you look in the story here, uh, you know, you scroll down, you can see these graphs, these charts, but it's, you know, I almost want to pull up a different one. It, It doesn't matter. You guys can picture it. You've seen these. It's just this hyperbolic exponential growth rate of, the federal debt and the deficit and it's in part due to population growth. You can't, like, if, if everything was constant, this thing would still grow exponentially, but with a much flatter curve. And with the other factors here, the Federal Reserve System, the creation of money through fractional reserve lending, you have this uh, deflation of the currency that is responsible for part of the curve but also the increased scale of the ripoff that they're capable of through modern bureaucratic governments. And as much as I am the optimist of the long run in, especially in, you know, looking at Steven Pinker's work, if you haven't read, uh, better angels of our nature or at least seen, you know, one of his TED talks like the surprising decline in violence, please go check some of that out and, and understand how human violence is on a, a pretty consistent decline over human history two steps forward, one step backwards, and a lot of people go, but Adam is a libertarian. You have to be able to see that we're at we're, we're this huge you know, negative trend of modern bureaucratic governments over the last 100 years or so with modern technology of communications and fiat currency and the printing press and, and, and so on, them being able to manage these systems and processes by which we are ripped off in a larger scale and so much more of our lives are dominated by coercion through regulation and taxation and, and economic suppression and so on. And while all that is true, uh, I, I still hold true to my belief of the general progress and that all of this is one major step backwards in a process of many, you know, two steps forward, one step backwards lines uh, on, on many different dynamics happening simultaneously. And the bigger ones of productivity, of technology, of love, connectedness, you know, those things aren't going away. So. You know, don't be afraid, even though you see this exponential curve, uh, you know, and it's tempting to go, oh, that's because that's why the dollar is going to go down. And, and you can look at the other big decline trend line of the value, the purchasing power of the dollar over the last hundred years, where you, you've seen these graphs, right? You know, the dollar with a little jagged line cut out over it. So, you know, by different analyses, the dollar has lost, you know, 93 to 98 percent of its, its purchasing power uh, since 1913. And you know those those are scary, um but you know i would I would still you know I don't wanna say like when I say that the winter is coming, it's very important to note that I'm not saying apocalypse is coming, it's not even with a a full any collapse of the dollar is going to be a drawn out one there's gonna be room for transition. We're going to find a way to keep the internet going and cell phone service going to be able to use cryptocurrency if we have to, to trade in, you know, digital manipulated or I should say, uh, digital currencies that are backed by actual physical stores of gold. Like we'll find a way. It's not an apocalypse, but it is a winter is coming, uh, in, in, in economic. Wind. And I, I love Game of Thrones. I should have mentioned this earlier because this is a Game of Thrones reference. I made a Game of Thrones reference. In my opening monologue, I didn't even get to, like, I should have, I meant to explain it in the open, but it was going too long, I was like, I'll wrap it up. But now, finally, now we're into the show. All right. Game of Thrones reference. Um, yeah, like, it's, uh, the, you know, Stark House of Winterfell is their motto is Winter is Coming. They're the northernmost, um, recognized kingdom of the seven kingdoms of Westeros. Yeah, I'm that much of a nerd. I've seen, I've seen every, I've seen the, there's eight seasons. I've seen the first seven at least four times each. And then at eight season, I only watched once, not because I didn't like it. I was one of the few, I liked season eight. I mean, yes, there are reasons to criticize it. And they left a Starbucks coffee cup in one of the scenes. That's (laughs) hilarious. (laughs) so the analysis, you know, general, um, Feedback on Game of Thrones season eight was that they phoned it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was still great. It was amazing, powerful. And like it, the the show is oh, it was always challenging. Like that was, you know, like it challenged you emotionally, it challenged you visually with the, the the gruesomeness. Anyway, I won't tell all my dumb Game of Thrones stories. But yeah, winter is coming in in the world of Game of Thrones. Winters happen over the course of many years. And they say, the way they say winter is coming refers to it. Like they, they, they talk about the long night winter, the, you know, like they're just, they're on a different planet. It's a fictional planet. The seasons operate differently. So there's years and then there's longer seasonal cycles of like a winter that comes and, and goes over different time periods. And when they say, you know, winter is coming, it's, it's, especially if you live in the northern provinces, you get ready for winter and this is that time and I, I i don't mind doing a sloppy show today and coming back to it over and be like you see get ready get ready winter's coming winter's sure. coming it's a good theme for today right we have a few more stories about uh coronaphobia and police stuff and politics and whatnot but then we also have we're finally gonna get to like the rural living stuff on but we did say uh with We've been meaning to get to this this story for a while. So let's go to CNN.com. This city disbanded its police department seven years ago. Here's what happened next. Last week, Minneapolis officials confirmed they were considering a fairly rare course of action, disbanding the city police department. It's not the first locale to break up a department, but no cities as populous have ever attempted it. Minneapolis City Council members haven't specified what or who will replace it if the department disbands. Camden, New Jersey, may be the closest thing to a case study they can get. The city, home to a population about 17% of Minneapolis size, dissolved its police department in 2012 and replaced it with an entirely new one after corruption rendered the existing agency unfixable. And you how did how did they do this? And not have more people notice. Well, you go, well, lower your expectations a little bit here. First of all, like I've said, and I think this would be a good transition, if you got rid of pretty much every city police department and rolled it into the county, just to simplify it, so that law enforcement is a coverage thing, not a, you know, a, a geographic inclusive thing or an overlapping layers thing. And you really have... Uh, a more accountable layer of law enforcement at the county level, with sheriffs being elected and constitutionally the you know highest law enforcement in the land. Before its police reforms, Camden was routinely named one of the most violent cities in the U.S. Now, seven years after the old department was booted, there were around 100 officers were rehired, the city's crime has dropped by close to half. Officers host outdoor parties for residents and knock on doors to introduce themselves. It's a radically different Camden than it was even a decade ago. Here's how they did it. Why departments dissolve police. A city's decision to dissolve its police department is often a matter of money. And the cities that chose to do so are often quite small. Camden comes closest to Minneapolis in size and history. Earlier this year, the village of Deposit New York dissolved. Because it costs two hundred thousand a year, now a single sheriff's deputy is assigned to the village. Hey, how about that? Just a redundant layer of law enforcement gone. Hey, sheriff's deputy, take their they, they respond to calls, take their place. No big deal. And like that's what we have out here. You know, we have a sheriff's deputy who patrols and is, is more, you know lives out here and is generally more connected with the community. And that's we don't need you know a whole other police agency. And how many how many places? Could you analyze from that perspective and go, hmm, a redundant layer of government where people are being taxed to pay for jobs that shouldn't exist, dig ditches, fill them back up, or harass citizens for more profit for bureaucrats and people in on it. Mm, Yeah, it sounds like a crime. Sounds like we don't need that. Sounds like that government agency and redundancy in and of itself is a racket that we'd be better off without. (coughs) Garden City, Missouri, laid off all of its officers and suspended its police chief because, as its mayor said in 2018, the city couldn't afford to keep them employed. In a bizarre move, Rio Vista police leadership abruptly left the department and half of the remaining officers left for other jobs so the California city's department could no longer go on. Camden did it to root out corruption. The crime rate was among the worst in the country, with nine square miles And among nearly 75,000 residents, there were over 170 open-air drug markets reported in 2013, county officials told CNN. Violent crime abounded. Police corruption was at the core. Yeah, government makes it worse. You give give them, again, if you use, don't, don't use the government. If you see a problem, use something other than government. Government always makes it worse. There are always unintended consequences. And this is just, I mean, I've always... All right, someone's going to find some exception. But, you know, this is just a perfect example of this, even just backfiring. Lawsuits filed against the department and covered that officers routinely planted evidence on suspects, fabricated reports, committed perjury. After corruption was exposed, courts overturned the convictions of 88 people. So in 2012, officials voted to completely disband beyond reform. And... The Camden County Police Department officially began its tenure. No other city of Camden sizes and I think quite like it. So they didn't get rid of policing, even. They just got rid of an agency and replaced it with another one. Like it's again, keep your expectations low here, people. The, the, the government, like even in Minneapolis, if they just said, "All right, we're done. This thing is beyond reproach, you know, or beyond repair. We're going we're going to get rid of this thing, and we are going to rely on county law enforcement." There's going to be a lot more money going to county law enforcement to do a lot of the same things that the Minneapolis Police Department was doing. Now, they'll do a lot less. Again, I'm not saying this is bad. This is very exciting. Big, positive reforms. A great, very important direction of getting law enforcement down to the community level, uncorrupted by central authorities, either in budget or in policy. And just by that, you're going to get way more in line with the natural law. This is incremental. Do not expect a revolution in policing. And this is, again, why I say, you know, in terms of flattening the curve or, like, getting getting everything that we need and the attention, you know, of reform. It's going to be a long time. How the new Camden police changed its approach. City officials had two objectives in remaking Camden's police reducing crippling violent crime and making residents feel safer. Louis Capelli, Camden County freeholder director, another term for a county-level public official, said the department still has a ways to go, but its efforts over the last seven years have been largely successful. Back then, residents of Camden City absolutely feared the police department and members of the department. He told CNN they, the residents, wanted that to change. Violent, but yeah. People are afraid of police. Can we can we finally talk about that? Yeah, yes. Can we change that? Like, hey, this is, hey, you know how there's this like, and it, you know, in the bigger picture, I've talked a lot about how government is not going to end, or at least as we know it. You know, and, and I think even this anarchist framing of government ending, like it's not going to end. It's going to transition to something effectively voluntary and or irrelevant as an institution as it gets replaced with better things, <clears throat> or you know. Be, transitions to voluntary you know, as it's phased down to the community level, but I got this from Stefan Molyneux: the government will not end with a bang, but with a whimper and a yawn. It's going to be boring. Oh yeah, we're man, we're stop doing that. And and this is this is the like like I've said before, you know, the the, the progress, the real progress towards freedom, comes not in the periods of the people so much as the quiet times of progress in between. And and there's going to be a, a You know, following this period of upheaval, if we're ever allowed out of it, right? If they don't just keep pumping us with fear porn, if we come out of this and we go, okay, you know, this is the conversation that we didn't have. This is, it's going to be like this. Hey, you know how we're kind of afraid of cops? We don't like that. Let's change. Let's let's talk to the cops and let's fix this. This is a very like normy thing. It's not because a bunch of people woke up and became libertarian or started reading political philosophy or understanding, you know, police civilian relationships. It's just because, you know, we have the time, we have the luxury, either we're all on welfare or Corona unemployed or we're just, you know, employment is so good that we get on this. By the way, another possible positive shift is that a lot of people are going to be able to survive and thrive with part-time jobs. That's going to be a major positive transition for people being able to pursue better lives to look out for their mental health for social health to to address these bigger issues to be more charitable to start new businesses to have hobbies to be artists like the fact that people are going to be able to survive with more part-time jobs in the future as a result of this huge positive economic shift silver lining here but in in situations uh like that it's just hey we have the time you know how we don't you know we want to address this now we don't really like being afraid of police in our community can we talk about this Let's start going to police community meet let's start going to city council meetings. Let's start going to police accountability review board meetings. Let let's start running for city hall. Let's start running for city council. Let's start running running for mayor or town councilor or county supervisor. Or whatever. Let's Yeah, you know what? We just and that's how it ends with a yawn. You just go, oh yeah. Yeah, we didn't like that. We stopped doing that. And it got bad that one remember it got bad that one time? Yeah. Uh, but now, no, we don't do that anymore. And you know, things are better now. Things are more voluntary, much more peaceful. You know, we just, we just, everybody gets along better now because cause those things came up in the past. And then, you know, when things died down, we, we address them. We learn the lesson. Uh, it's never too soon to start learning the lessons. And, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes in the spiral of progress. It also gets faster and faster. And we're learning like in real time by being able to even CNN can't deny that they have to cover the story. And CNN obviously has other, you know, interests here. But they, they, they really have, like in light of Minneapolis is going, hey, we might disband our police force. As as journalists, they have to go. Well, when has this been done before? Oh yeah, Camden. We have to cover the story. How did? It go? Oh, it went pretty well, didn't it? Hmm, all right. Violent crime dropped 42% in seven years. Crime rate dropped from 79 per thousand to 44 per thousand. Capelli credits the improvement to new community-oriented policing, which prizes partnership and problem-solving over violence and punishment. It starts from an officer's first day. When a new recruit joins the force, they're required to knock on the doors of homes in the neighborhood they're assigned to patrol. They introduce themselves and ask neighbors what needs improving. That's awesome. Like, that, That in and of itself, I go, you know what? If I lived, like, and I would want that here. You know what I, you know what I mean? Even out here, as rural as we are, we really don't need it and hopefully eventually never will, but I could imagine if this community got developed enough that we had a Juniper Wood security force that was a community safety and we kind of already do with the volunteer fire department, which is awesome because they respond to like medical calls and other emergencies. And we have the sheriff's auxiliary, right? But if, if, if like imagine if we we could hire the sheriff's auxiliary away from the uh, from the county sheriff's department and say look we 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 all decided to pool our money you know we all got our credit cards chipped in we have a we have a Patreon right Jim Freedom is providing natural law enforcement services in Juniperwood Ranch area you got it and you know um, Jim has better things to do. And no offense, but you're not qualified and I wouldn't but you'd be a good you'd be better than any cop and you would be providing a service and you would go out and I would think if I'm chipping in, I would like this guy, I'd like his number, I'd like to be able to text this person. If I'm chipping in ten, and, and I could see if I was in a you know in the position I could chip in, you know, fifty, hundred bucks a month and say, you know, that goes towards You know, Jim Freedom, Officer Jim Freedom, Peace Officer Jim Freedom Salary, Peace Officer Jim Freedom of Natural Law Enforcement Services Incorporated, right? You know, out here, um, I would want you to come knock on my door at some point. Like Out here, there's no door to knock on, you know, but I'd want you to leave a note on the fence. And I want you to have an open house. And I want to be able to meet you face to face and say, cool, man. So if you see me losing my shit because someone poisoned me, you know, you're not going to shoot me because now you know I'm a rational human being. I'm a good guy. This is who I am. Yeah. You know, even just having that effect in the paradigm of modern policing, changing things is huge. Training emphasizes de-escalation. Now, the ultimate accountability for de-escalation would be market forces, preservation of value, accountability for damages and liability. Right. But de-escalation still is something that should be you know, naturally incentivized. And the Department's use of force policy makes clear the deadly force is the last option. It really should be a never option i mean the the British uh, police force are able to do this why can't we can't we do this in America? They're not armed. they don't use deadly force they, you know in in and yeah, they have sWAT teams. I know I know yes, they're backed up by that, but generally speaking, um you know even going against someone with a gun would 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 an, someone with a gun ever shoot an officer? If the only thing the officer could do is tase them uh I better tasers and pepper spray. I don't know. Um, I I would leave it to the market balance to determine whether or not an officer should be armed and the risk and liability of the people involved in the community being served. But, uh, yeah, in terms of government today, I I think disarm the police. Like, really, that more than defund the police or just along with it, disarm the police, you know, make them if they're going to do anything, they have to do it by, uh, you know, a non deadly means of force. Uh, now, police host pop-up barbecues and pull up in Mr. Softy trucks to get to no residents. They host drive-in movie nights. Um, recently, the movie of choice was The Lion King along what used to be known as the city's heroin highway. The Community First initiative has made improving diversity within the force a priority, too. Whites are the minority in Camden, so Capelli said the new department has hired more black and brown officers to serve black and brown residents. Like, I hate that this is a reality. I hate that this is relevant. I hate that we still live in a racist enough world where people are, are inclined to uh, congregate and and identify by race. Um, and, I, and I hate the affirmative action, you know, discrimination that's inherent in this. But actually, as a police reform in the current paradigm, I'm kind of okay with it um, because I know. If we went straight to a market paradigm for, for social justice and, and for natural law enforcement, uh, the racism problem would, would get way smaller because you'd have huge de-escalation there. And if it happened now, there might be ethnic communities that are more inclined to hire uh, ethnic enforcement officers. And if that's the case, you know, I, okay, I we'll have all that. Eventually, we'll take on the Bullworth strategy, right? We'll just keep screwing each other till we all come out the same color and it won't matter at all. But until then, yes, I, I don't really have a problem with this. Um, Capelli said the new department also hired over 100 officers who were in the old department. They joined a department which now has over 400. So basically, they, they got you know three quarter new and a whole new leadership and organization. And you know this is uh, this is just a really positive indication. Of police reform that's on the horizon, learning from the lessons of Camden. And, you know, as, as libertarians, it's kind of like, when are we going to win? When are, when are we going to win? The-? You know, I mean, we might never, you know, we might win issue by issue. I, I should say we might never win politically because we win in reality in policy in a more substantive ways. And, you know, it's because of the work of so many police awareness activists. And I, I go back all the way to cop block. Pete Ayer and Adamo Freeman really bringing this message uh, to the mainstream, uh, certainly from the libertarian movement to the mainstream. The awareness of police abuse, the need for reform is now such an obvious thing. The history, even though it's been seven years, all right, we've got a great test case. Can we do this? Can we learn the lessons from Camden, New Jersey? Yeah. I think if they can do it, anybody in America can do it. We can have uh, major police reforms that while not perhaps uh, as as much as some of us would like g- can be, you know, even incrementally over the next few years, you know, I, I'm optimistic. I think we can do this. I think we are going to do this. I think we are going to have uh, a period over. It's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be enough to get us out of this mess right away and avoid a lot of the economic consequences we're facing. Like I said, it's not going to be over the next month or two that you're going to see Uh, a massive wave of police reforms. The system is not that flexible. But the demand, the realization, the undeniable lessons from history of cities like Camden and so many others means that over the next few years, we are going to see a wave of incremental police reforms that really have the potential of reducing the viciousness and the injustice of the police state I think somewhere on the scale of 80, 90%, and that's a beautiful thing that we have to look forward to. Jim, does that sound reasonable, 80 to 90%, like if we've got you know, these kinds of reforms like we've seen in Camden, like are being demanded in, in Minneapolis and so many other places, that that, that would reduce the viciousness uh, and the injustice of the police state somewhere like 80, 90% perhaps? Good guess, I think. I
1: would like to think. Hope so. I would hope so. Yeah. All right. Reasonable. Any any any
0: hot comments on anything so far?
1: Uh. Well, we got a couple of them going on. If you want your uh the Corona ones. Oh yeah, deadlier than yeah, less deadly, than... Than... Yeah, less deadly got than... those so far. But we might as well get them we Let's get do it. it. Coronavirus from YouTube, uh, John O'Curry. Coronavirus less deadly than riding in Ted Kennedy's truck.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think you have to go to Trunk for that, but this is a Chappaquiddick reference. This is a bit, that's a bit of an insider one. I, the whippersnappers aren't going to get this. I get this because I'm a super political nerd, and I actually played Senator Ted Kennedy in mock Senate in college, and I drank uh, whiskey out of a flask the entire time and was as drunk as Ted Kennedy himself, uh, as he was when he drove off a bridge somewhere into some water with a woman in the car who died from drowning, who he, he, he was responsible not only for driving her into the river, but also potentially should have been able to save her,
2: uh, at
0: very least a negligent homicide that by the privilege of the Kennedy name, he was able to uh, to cover up and maintain and be able to, to still get elected to the Senate, but not president. He ran for president and the Chappaquiddick incident, uh, prevented him from getting traction as the, uh, from winning the Democratic primary. So, uh, yeah, less deadly than, Writing. than a midnight ride with Senator Ted Kennedy. How about that? A little rephrasing, but I like that one.
1: Uh, flu City Industries, this one's easy. Coronavirus less deadly than a part in the wind. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Those are deadly. But mm. it's the only other one we had. See, that's
0: movies. not fair. I mean, you have to have something that has some reasonable deadliness. And
1: anyway, all right. Next okay, one. Okay, well this one's long and totally random, so we'll see if you can like it. From Facebook, Blake, Daniel, Johannes. Coronavirus less deadly than a horde of frogs turned gay by liberals that Alex Jones prophetically warned us about. That's too <laughs> much. Um less
0: uh, here's i here, actually i think i can work with that less deadly than whatever's
1: making the frogs gay there you go
0: <laughs> yeah way are, are you writing these down right is it worth keeping it's worth well, keeping a list a um less deadly than a midnight ride with senator ted kennedy Testifying
1: against H. Dog. Whatever um, turning the gay.
0: Less deadly than whatever is turning the frogs gay. Anyway, all right, we'll come back to this. Get I'm going to keep a list, um, and eventually I'll turn. I'll turn.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll use this in a bit in the podcast and. It'll be funny. I promise. Nicholas Berryhill commented um, he was talking about the dollar crashing when he was talking about that. He says it's going to take another world war. The U.S. loses, the U.S. losses for the world to go away from the dollar. What is the alternative reserve currency ready to replace the dollar? So, <clears throat> I'm thinking of Sun Tzu,
0: right? Art of War. If you know yourself and you know your enemy, you- Care the outcome of a thousand battles, and in that sense, if you see the people and the central bankers as enemies, on behalf of the central bankers, you can look at this and go, They know us better than we know them right now, and they can keep the dollar going long enough to have the replacement global fiat currency, or maybe something like Libra from Facebook, where governments still have, you know, unlimited money creating capability, or banks still have some fundamental fractional reserve lending power.
1: It may be um... Sorry, where were we going with this? And now I'm like,
0: man, I got, I got too much. I'm trying to keep track of right now. I was going to the next story.
1: What was the comment again? Uh, talking about the U.S. dollar and the need of what was the alternative? Oh, they
0: know of- us. No, this is an important No, Sorry, I was, I was trying to put this new idea together about, you know, Sun Tzu, oh, yeah, the yeah, art sure. of war. If you know yourself and you know your enemy, you n- need not fear the outcome of a thousand battles. And right now. They are not going to crash the dollar unless they have the replacement ready. They'll be able to string it along. and In that sense, they know us better than we know them. They know that if they crash the dollar right now and didn't have a replacement, that we could get cryptocurrency or gold or silver, digital, something as the new dominant currency for the global market. But we know them on behalf of the people. At a deeper level, we know them better than they know. Or at least we know that we will win in the long run, even if we lose this round, even if this round of economic upheaval does not lead to a global overthrow of fiat currency. There's another battle and another battle, another battle, another battle. I know if it takes a thousand battles freedom will win. And I don't think it's going to be that long. So we can recognize that they're sort of stronger now. But we have, you know, it's it's like, uh, you know, be like water. To quote another Lee. Asian philosopher, Bruce Lee, be like water, and eventually water will wear down the stone. And the stone in this case could be seen as the dollar. And, you know, every Bitcoin transaction, every mention of Bitcoin is just one little speck, one one molecule off the surface as we run water over that stone. It could be authority itself, right that from the human point of evolving to being human, where whatever monkey could pick up the biggest rock was in charge of coercive authority to a voluntary society. Maybe that, you know, every time we talk about freedom, it's just one more thing, one more thing in one way or another, still confident in freedom, freedom's going to win. That's where this is going, whether we're like water wearing this down or whether we're just like more patient enemies in war, the advantages on the side of freedom. And to bring it back to a great American philosopher, Martin Luther King Jr., the arc of history bends. Towards justice. So on to the to some more links here. We got half an hour. We're still gonna go breeze through a lot here. Uh, if you could pull up CJ secure the Black Lives Matter fundraising page. This is secure.actblue.com dot slash donate. And I, I just I I wanted I, I kind of want to defend Black Lives Matter and I want to put it in perspective. Because I saw an unfair attack on it. And first of all, so this was, this was some, you know, cheesy little composite video going viral on Twitter. that has got, uh, you know, a, a screenshot of someone looking at this website, which is from blacklivesmatter.com. Now, blacklivesmatter.com is not the Black Lives Matter movement. If you put up a website called freedommovement.com, you wouldn't say, well, that's every libertarian's representative. That's the movement. No, obviously not. So there's some corporate entity, to what degree they are relevant to the movement as a whole, I don't know. I don't really care to assess. There's a fundraising portal here through actblue.com, and ActBlue is also a fundraising mechanism of the Democratic Party. So there is a connection here. Uh, there is a corrupt connection here. Uh, there is a, a, an incentive for the Democrats to get to get black Americans voting more. Um, but the video that I saw said, oh, it's Act Blue. Let's see where Act Blue money goes. And it pulled up a breakdown of all the Act Blue money. And it was like, oh my God, look $139 million to Bernie Sanders, $79 million to Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden, millions and millions. And then you go, And the video was suggesting, I think it asked, where does, you know, where's Black Lives Matter money going? Oh, it's going to the Democratic Party. And you go, uh, you didn't really have to resort to that dishonest tactic to point out what's really wrong with this. One, you shouldn't donate blindly to something like this. Like, to, to the general Black Lives Matter fund, to something as big and nebulous as the Black Lives Matter movement? No. Absolutely not. This is dumb. This is bad. Like, don't donate to this. If it's Act Blue and you know it's connected to the Democratic Party, it's probably going to something corrupt. But is it all the money from Black Lives Matter going to Joe Biden? No. No, but it is going to the general leftist cause. And you can be honest and look at this and say, yeah, this is being hugely manipulated by the Democrats to get Democrats elected. No shit, Sherlock, right? And this is just one more example. But CJ, if you would pull up this page one more time here, Black Lives Matter, the uh security yeah. Look at look at this. Look at this. Like it, it it's down there in, in the bottom right hand corner. What do you what do you see, CJ? CJ, bring yourself up here, uh above or below me right next to me on the on the side of the screen here. What do you see here, CJ? Oh um, CJ I'm sorry. There? Yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah, All right, yeah. CJ's yeah. pulling up second delay on StreamYard.
2: CJ, what do you see there in the bottom right corner of this graphic? Uh, I mean, right here, this $1,000? Um, no, no, no. no, no. In, in, in the graphic itself, this picture uh,
0: with, with the crowd in the bottom corner there, What what is that? What does that remind you of?
2: Like that uh, anarcho-cap, uh, anarcho-cap, AnCap is what it called. AnCap colors. Yeah,
0: the anarcho-capitalist symbol, the black yeah, and yellow
2: flag. Yeah. I,
0: I think it's reversed. I don't. I don't. Know, I don't remember how it goes officially. Yeah. I think same it's yellow But it's black. Yeah. And libertarian colors,
2: black yeah, really, and yellow and white. Really, really, yeah, I, really weird.
0: I mean, I I have to think we have someone. I hope we have someone on the inside. I think uh, maybe I'm being overly optimistic here, but either way. Uh, you know, if you if you're if 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 uh, you you are inclined to support anything financially with Black Lives Matter, make sure that you're you know looking into where that money is going. You're giving directly to a legitimate part of it, because there's a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement that is not legitimate, that is not on message, that is all about fundraising and wrangling votes for Democrats and BlackLivesMatter.com. Looks like one of those places that should be avoided. There are certainly better things to donate to in the political realm, even in the realm of addressing uh, police brutality and the unique discrimination uh, faced by black Americans. All right. So the next story related to this is is this is really shocking. And I remember, you know, in high school and college reading stories uh, from black authors about the black American experience in general and Jim Crow and slavery and, you know, even, you know, modern stories in the American justice system. And one of the scenes that I remember reading about several times, um, and and maybe someone can identify, you know, one of the novels where, where, you know, one of the famous novels where this came up was where uh, a black child was going to a store and was told, get your dirty hands off of the merchandise when other kids were allowed to be touching all sorts of things. And it was, if, you, if you're black, it's because your hands are
1: dirty. And going, wow.
0: Yeah, that was a thing. Uh So from daytondailynews.com, This is a disturbing article, but a measure of just the potential for racism. And I mean, I don't know why I'm covering this story, honestly. It's just kind of this sensational racism that reminded me of this horrific thing in the past. Lawmaker asks if colored population not washing their hands as well as others behind COVID rates. Whoa. Yeah, get that guy's picture up there. Columbus, during a hearing on whether to declare racism a public health crisis, State Senator Steve Huffman, Republican t- City, asked if the color population is hit harder by the coronavirus because perhaps they don't wash their hands as well as other groups. Now, I don't want to defend this in any way whatsoever. I do want to point out for those who would defend this that there is a legitimate scientific public health context in which asking a question like this with with an objective scientific purpose could hypothetically be appropriate. But when it comes From this perspective, what's really going on here? Could it possibly be that the colored people are really just shittier people than us non-colored people? That because that's right, that's really what's behind this question, how it's coming up. So during a hearing, and what are they talking about here? Racism is a public health crisis, because it's, it's it's this is connected to Black Lives Matter, right? That you know racism as institutionalized through government and all the other ways that BLM wants to address it is creating detrimental health outcomes for black Americans. Yeah. Now, is it a health crisis or not? That's a dumb government question that you shouldn't be asking in the first place. But it's whether it's acknowledged or not in the political context that this Senator Steve Huffman's comment is attempting to address. And what he's trying to do is argue against this, and even his intentions for arguing against it might be legitimate. Should the government get more involved in public health based on race or anything else? No, they shouldn't. We should have peaceful, market-based answers to these and community-based answers to these things, not coercive government-based answer, false answers, you know, to these things. Huffman, an emergency room physician, asked a witness before the Senate Health Committee on Tuesday why COVID-19 is hitting. African-Americans are harder than white people. And you go, whoa, this dude's an emergency room physician. Now, maybe he thinks, you know, he's thinking from that, that, that he's in that scientific context, in the political context, and maybe he just got confused. So here's the quote to give him full credit and not take him out of context. My point is I understand African-Americans have a higher incidence of chronic conditions and it makes them more susceptible to death from COVID-19. But why does it make them more susceptible to just get COVID? Could it be that African-Americans or the color population do not wash their hands as well as other groups or wear a mask or do not socially distance themselves? That could be the explanation of the higher incidence. If you don't have... A real scientific basis for this, you have to look at it objectively first before you look at it by racial breakdown. That's how you'd ask this question. You'd say, does hand washing as a habit affect COVID infection rates? Can we reach out to people who don't wash their hands and find out and then decide, but to just speculate and say, well, because they're black. And again, even if this is true. Now, here's the thing. I will go to the extent of Now, by the way, I say this as someone who is a homesteader and wash my, I wash my, well, I had a germaphobe, and I still wash my hands less out here than I would if I had superfluous running water, right? Just by economic circumstances, I'm going to wash my hands less than I would in other circumstances, right? So I would bet what he's saying is, you know what, and I'm going to speculate on this, and people are going to say, Adam, you must be racist too. No, but that it might be true, but it's not because people are black, and that's where you're wrong to identify by that first because if it's because if, if there happens to first be a coincidence in these things statistically lower hand washing incidence of COVID-19 and certain ethnicities then you go and look first at what who, who's not washing their hands and is that an impact and I would guarantee that if you find that there is a racial trend, and there probably is, right? If you were to analyze all ethnicities across the board globally, who washes their hands more or less, there are going to be differences by ethnicity. But there's a bigger difference here, <clears throat> and this is where there really is an element of racism behind this comment and insensitivity that's totally inappropriate. Because if it's higher, if if, if hand washing is lower among certain ethnic groups in America, and you want to say colored Americans, it's because they've been impoverished, because they've been colored, because white people have been racist. Not all white people, but historically, that was. And yes, people of different colors have been racist and bigger scales with greater slavery and greater incidence of racism all over the world. This is the American story. White people owning black slaves. So if they're not washing their hands as much, it's not because they're black. It might be because they're victims, because they're black. And now these are complicated issues. I know I'm grabbing a lot of third rails, but I think when this becomes such an issue that uh, it's important to tease out these scientific and rhetorical distinctions. Up next, back to CNN.com. Excuse me. Tulsa police release body cam video of officers handcuffing black teenagers for
1: jaywalking. CJ, roll tape, please.
2: So this morning, an internal affairs investigation is underway in Tulsa, Oklahoma, after police officers detained two black teenagers for jaywalking. Just released body cam video shows the teens walking down the middle of the street last week where there is no sidewalk. The officers approach and you can see an officer force one teenager onto his stomach before arresting him. The second teenager is also handcuffed and is heard repeatedly telling his friend it's not worth it to fight back.
1: Why are you putting
0: handcuffs
2: on because. Why are you putting handcuffs on my? Well, all he, all he, all he, on all sir? all he was doing was jaywalking. We just want to talk with him. Does he have anything? And he had on to act a fool like that. Hey, sir, does he have yeah, anything? I appreciate on... you being cool, man. Um, the Tulsa Police Department says it cannot comment while the investigation is underway. We, we should note that the the penalty for jaywalking is like a fine, a small fine, 500 bucks. Unclear why, in what universe or why this kind of arrest would even be necessary
1: if there are no sidewalks. Yeah. Uh,
0: see? Black people commit more crimes! Because <laughs> government says so.
1: Because
0: they get arrested. And shit like this it happens to white people too. Not the same way. Just another crazy story I had to share. Um, we go now to a mosh- dot house dot gov very exciting headline from our libertarian member of congress amash presley introduced bipartisan legislation to end qualified immunity representative justin amash libertarian i love it look at you see the l dash michigan yes yes and ayana presley Democrat, Massachusetts, today introduced the ending Qualified Immunity Act to eliminate qualified immunity and restore Americans' ability to obtain relief when state and local officials, including police officers, violate their legal and constitutionally secured rights. They were joined by Representatives Elon Omar, Diana DeGette, uh, Jesus Chui Garcia, Earl Blumenauer, James McGovern, uh, Shelly Pingree, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, Adriano Espaillat, Gregory Meeks, Nadia Velasquez, Eleanor Holmes Norton, Barbara Lee, Mark DeCano, Andre Carson, Carolyn Maloney, and Joseph P. Kennedy as original co sponsors. Can you guess the party affiliations there, Jim? Every single one a Democrat. All of them. And this, what's so cool about this? is, I don't think Democrats, you know, and these might be, you know, and I recognize a lot of these names, not all of them, but, you know, um, people who I I generally respect as outspoken leftists, at least as ideologues, who aren't just there uh, to to get a paycheck and get their kickbacks for their pork barrel projects and things like that, but who are there at least representing some ideology. And so they have to sign on to something like this. And it's really powerful to see this, but especially that it's this is being referred to as the Amash Presley bill. And it's a libertarian in Congress pulling the Democrats in our direction, getting them to focus their attention on this one thing that we can agree on. It really represents a fundamental linchpin for American justice. Qualified immunity, this is the quote from Amash, qualified immunity protects police and other officials from consequences even for horrific rights abuses. It prevents accountability for the bad apples and undermines the public's faith in law enforcement. It's at odds with the text of the law and the intent of Congress and it ultimately leaves Americans' rights without appropriate protection. Members of Congress have a duty to ensure government officials can be held accountable for violating Americans' rights and ending qualified immunity is a crucial part of that. See what I mean as as a linchpin? If this really takes effect at the federal level and they're able to somehow make this a, a national policy that you can sue a police officer for damages like any other citizen and we see and again, incremental change. Don't get your hopes up. You're going to see a flood of cases. You're going to see courts resisting hearing those cases. But eventually, you are going to see a shift in the mentality. How do you change the mind of every police officer on the street? You pass a bill like this. You have a few cases where officers get, excuse me, get held accountable and end up losing all of their money. Well, that's where you hit them, and because. They mess with somebody, and they cause damages to a civilian. They can't hide behind a badge. The badge no longer becomes a hiding place for the petty criminal bullies that make up such a large part of the police force, at least while they're there. And you think about it, those who are there for those reasons would eventually get phased out. You know, if if you're of that mentality and you're abusing your authority as a police officer every day, and then you go oh, shit I could get sued for this stuff and you keep going out and, and you don't really pay attention to this eventually you get you get sued and you get fired. Um even if you don't get fired if you go broke being a cop and then you have you have a debt and liability and even if they let you keep your job you're not going to go back to that job if it's going to send you further into debt and mess you up, you know, financially even worse. It could. That's the the major step in the right direction that this represents as a real Lynchpin of the police state. Presley said, quote, qualified immunity shields police from accountability, impedes true justice, and undermines the constitutional rights of every person in this country. There can be no justice without healing and accountability, and there can be no true accountability with qualified immunity. It's past time to end qualified immunity, and that's exactly what this bill does. The bill is endorsed by the ACLU of Massachusetts, Arab American Institute, Constitutional Accountability Center. Due Process Institute, Lawyers for Civil Rights, the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights, National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, National Urban League, Republican Liberty Caucus. There's one uh, across the aisle endorsement. Very cool. The Republican Liberty Caucus, RLC. The Justice Collaborative and Young Americans for Liberty, among other civil society groups. This is very exciting. We'll definitely be following this and uh, how it takes effect, but especially uh, how it changes uh, police community relationships. All right, uh, up next: NBA, NFL, baseball stars demand end to police immunity. From sports.yahoo.com via AFP. NFL stars Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, and Drew Brees, and NBA coaches Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich were among more than 1,400 people from America's largest sports leagues who, were on Wednesday, supported an end to qualified police immunity. The Players Coalition submitted the letter to U.S. lawmakers supporting passage of the amash presley bill, which seeks to make it easier to sue police officers for brutality, among other things. This is the value of Justin Amash in Congress, and whether he wins re-election or not, I hope he's able to present more real uh, linchpin of statism issues like this, where he's able to work across across the aisles, and, and, and bring people together on issues that you really can't, they really can't stand against. And, and that's the value of, of, uh, you know, being able to see this kind of incremental progress continue from dnyuz.com. LeBron James and other stars form a voting rights group. The NBA superstar LeBron James and a group of other prominent black athletes and entertainers are starting a new group aimed at protecting African Americans voting rights seizing on the widespread fury against racial injustice that has fueled worldwide protests to amplify their voices in this fall's presidential election. As he said, because of everything that's going on, people are finally starting to listen to us. We feel like we're finally getting a foot in the door. How long is up to us? We don't know, but we feel like we're getting some ears and some attention, and this is the time for us to finally make a difference. And this is great in and of itself. People get excited about an issue who are politically engaged, get more politically engaged, become a political force, a voting block. I would love to see black Americans uh, you know be more engaged in politics and voting more in the sense that not they're going to vote for Democrats, but uh, as long as they the longer they stay involved, the more likely they are to become libertarian. No other ethnic group, although I don't know someone might argue historics on this with me uh has had uh, such a, a horrific experience with government as black Americans have. Slavery was not possible with government enforcement through run, runaway slave laws. Uh All the institutional racism of the police force today, all of the economic discrimination, all this is backed up made possible by, sponsored, endorsed by government. And the sooner a black America realizes this, the sooner that we're going to have this a huge other chunk of libertarian voters. So Is LeBron James going to do this or is he going to be in the pockets of the Democrats? Only time will tell. I'm not hopeful for now, but, uh, you know, as he says, um, he has not yet talked Well, so as for his own plans this fall, he said he had not yet talked to Joe Joseph R. Biden Jr., the presumptive democratic nominee, but he did not rule out appearing on the campaign trail. We'll see if we can help a candidate here and there. Mr. James said, um, Mm. Well, Mr. James, I I applaud you for taking the angst that so many are feeling right now and turning it into a productive, long-term political engagement. The sooner you become libertarian and embrace using your power for the good of peace and justice and real freedom, uh, the, the sooner you'll be able to make a real, enduring, positive impact beyond just throwing the next few elections to the Democrats. So best of luck with this, Mr. James. Um, I, I, I hope that you can come over to the Libertarian Party and check that box that we all do. I oppose the initiation of force to achieve political or social goals. You know, we don't have that much time left. I, I want to skip over these stories about the Capitol Hill autonomous zone, and uh, you know we're not going to get to any of our happiness stories today. So I'm going to breeze through a couple headlines. And do we do we have anybody in the in the back room? We, do we we didn't have any super chats today. We should have plugged this at the beginning of the show and told people you know if you're watching live, share the show. But as we're wrapping up at the end of the show, don't forget to share this production. Bring more people into this conversation. Jim, no super chats today. No super chats today. I'm flabbergasted. I don't know what's going on. Uh oh. The world is all over. rounds expended. Is
1: yeah.
0: all of our audience broke? That would be very unfortunate. I hope not.
1: Broke, yeah.
0: That'd be a bad sign. All right, but a couple more headlines we're going to get through today. Skipping ahead to Yahoo.com. New Yahoo News slash Yuga poll support for Black Lives Matter doubles as most Americans reject Trump's protest response. In what may represent one of the more rapid shifts in racial attitudes in recent U.S. history, the new Yahoo News slash poll found that a broad majority of Americans now believe that both the police and society as a whole are beset by systemic racism, a messaging victory for the Black Lives Matter movement and the related protests that have roiled the nation since George Floyd died last month under the knee of a Minneapolis cop. Let's get to some numbers real quick. Big one. Um, In 2016, just a quarter of Americans, 27 percent, told us that they had approved of Black Lives Matter today. Fifty seven percent say they have a favorable view of the movement. I would say I'm definitely in that favorable camp. Firm on pretty much not active supporting, but um, that's an unchanged position for me. I think this is just a, a positive success, a sign of, of, of how a movement like this can. And, and, and really, that's, you know, a handful of committed organizers. Never doubt that a small group of people can change the world. In fact, it is the only thing that ever has. Beautiful quote. Who was that? Was that, that Emma Goldman? I should know that. But. Whatever it was. A beautiful quote. And, and, and very true, That you know, like with the anti Iraq War movement. You know, we didn't stop the war from happening, but we did change Margaret public Mead. opinion. What? Margaret, Margaret Mead. Mead. Thank you. There you go, Margaret Mead. You know that one. Um, so that Black Lives Matter has come up in the approval to that level. Okay. You know,
1: huge. All right, there we go. We got to see All right. No message. Just end statism again. All right, and statism, so, uh, 20 bucks, chipping in
0: at the end of the show. 20 bucks right. in the tip jar. That is huge. Thank you so he much, said, brother. He
1: said another, uh, a couple of other comments that I'll go ahead and read. Yeah, hit it. Part of this yeah, please.
0: Too, Absolutely.
1: And statism, if we can't have the apocalypse, can we get the Tupac <laughs> Uh And then one more on, uh he added for the. Uh, for well, on I'm less dead deadly than I'm and like, yeah, wait, there's a Tupac to reference to, in here. Uh, what is it? Uh coronavirus, less deadly than standing in Kent State parking
0: lot. Ooh, less Ooh,
1: deadly. Uh, less deadly than protesting at Kent State, yeah. There you go, perfect. Draco Chainmail that's said, a good less virus. deadly than Epstein's sheep. Ah, well, less deadly than...
0: Well, did, 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 did Epstein kill any of the girls that he was exploiting?
1: No, I think exploring... they were to him
0: not committing suicide. No, no, I know, but that's...
1: Well, that goes in with the less deadly than test finding. Yeah. Machines. The less
0: deadly than his sheets, though? I'm thinking I'm inspired by the Tupac one, like less deadly than a rap battle, you know, or like, right. yeah. uh, no, less, de- less deadly than
1: submarine drugs. Monster.
0: What's, what's the, what's the hip hop world term for like the east-west divide? Battle. No, or... but like the enemies and, Less deadly than being a black male than less deadly than driving while black
1: that's less, what's less, less dangerous but deadly is walking while black in America
0: anyway any, anything else from our friend
1: uh no that was it we had from men stated so okay you know, so let's see
0: yeah, okay, so just a couple minutes left here. I guess we started. Oh, we, we started late. We, we still have seven minutes on the, on the two hour clock. Uh, another one from CJ. Coronavirus less deadly than trying to spend a counterfeit 20. Ooh! That's it. Ding, ding, ding. Coronavirus less deadly than trying to spend a counterfeit Twenty dollar bill in Minneapolis. Ooh, that one that one hits home. Thank you, CJ. All right, a couple more headlines we're gonna get through this uh, this morning from MarketWatch.com. Arizona hospitals at 83% capacity as coronavirus cases surge. Now, my first reaction: to This is wait. The surge was supposed to have the hospitals. Overwhelmed. Way overwhelmed! And now we are surging to 83%. And now I it, it's, it's like this weird messaging propaganda trick that occurs uh, that we see happening when the first headlines were so much worse. You know, it wasn't up to 200,000 dead, it was 2 million dead Americans. Remember like, when it was yeah, 2 million? Yeah. It was, that was 2 million. And so now when you, when you hear a surge, you might forget, oh yeah, that number got revised down a lot. Like a scale, at least. And you just remember that 2 million, you go, oh my god, a surge. That sounds really scary. And if you don't, you know, even me, even Reading the news constantly. If I, if I don't read enough stories and analyses that give that sort of meta timeline, just, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to see the bigger picture. I would be losing that perspective myself. You have to read the news, not just day to day, reading between the lines, but you, you really have to be thinking. If you want an accurate worldview, if you want to be able to answer these basic questions, you either got to be tuning in to Adam versus the man. Or you really got to be doing some significant analysis of putting stories together over time to be able to answer the questions, where are things going? What's coming next? So from MarketWatch, Arizona hospitals at 83% capacity as coronavirus cases surge, elective surgeries may be halted. Governor has been criticized for lax preventative measures. And I just... I. I can't talk about this enough, but I I don't know if I have anything useful to say other than everybody protesting came out and decided, like, yeah, we took coronavirus seriously, but cops killing people, that's more serious. It's so much more serious that even coming out and speaking about it publicly as a protester is more important than observing social distancing. Arizona hospitals that are expected to be able to treat new cases of coronavirus without going into crisis mode were above 80% capacity, a milestone that should trigger an automatic stop to elective surgeries at affected hospitals as the state becomes a hotspot. The report showing statewide bed capacity of 83% released Wednesday by the Department of Health Services comes as the state deals with a surge in virus cases and hospitalizations that experts say is likely tied to Governor Doug Ducey's ending of statewide closure orders in mid-May. Yeah, but they weren't justified in the first place and we're still able to handle this and shutting these things down is going to have so like when I talk about winter is coming again, the, the theme for today's show, there's a whole other dynamic in the healthcare industry of winter is coming. People have been laid off because they're not allowed to go to the hospital to do anything but take care of coronavirus patients. Because we have medical decisions in terms of hospital policy being set by politicians and bureaucrats in Washington rather than by people in those hospitals, rather than those affected by these things. There is going to be a wave of major health consequences from the reduction in other healthcare industry resources going to be able to just do basic health maintenance. For people for life-saving surgeries but also for elective surgeries that prevent the need for like when we say elective surgeries I, i'm assuming we're not talking about boob jobs and nose jobs here right yeah because those things don't even happen at hospitals right i mean they happen at you know plastic surgery centers surgical centers for them when i talk about putting off elective surgeries in hospitals you know they're talking about a lot of things that are like essential for health maintenance that would prevent the need for bigger interventions later on. They're going to be there, and and I know this even again from my personal experience. Just to share some of my own story here is that I know people who right now are suffering health-wise because their treatment is being deferred, and it might need that they might need much more treatment later. So this is, you know, I, I I'm I don't even want to cover this whole propaganda story because it's uh, it's so much reinforcement of you know the status mythology around this. So let's see, we are talking about uh, Dr. Marjorie Bessel Banner. This is Banner Medical Center in uh, in Phoenix. Banner's chief clinical officer has been urging the public to take steps to slow the spread of the virus. They include wearing masks. Living in exposure in public spaces, frequent hand washing more. We do have an ability to mitigate the spread of this virus right now. It's not necessarily the message that people always want to hear, but it is the message of what we know about the virus. Not taking those steps will impact people needing care at hospitals and staff will be overworked and if Banner is forced to end elective surgeries, that's a big deal. As she said, elective surgeries, they're a little bit of a misnomer. These are necessary surgeries. They're medically necessary surgeries. That means they are needed, just not so urgent that they need to be done immediately. Anybody's, anybody who's had a surgery knows that. If you need a surgery, you need a surgery. Dr. Rebecca Sunenshine, Maricopa County's disease control director, said the county is now urging everyone to wear a mask in public. That's a reversal for Sunenshine, who early in the pandemic said there's no evidence they could help prevent the virus spread. And I wonder if this is people getting bullied in to supporting the government line. She also noted a huge surge of cases in the county, of the state's most populous. A full 27% of the 15,200 cases have come in the past week. Um, yeah, just, uh, just gotta give you that update. Uh, next time we're gonna get into a Facebook story. There's a, there's a rebellion with Facebook staff again. Pretty exciting. From, uh, sfgate.com, Biden warns that President Trump is gonna try to steal this election. Um, as he said, quote on the Daily Show with uh, Trevor Noah, "This president is going to try to steal this election. It's my greatest concern, my single greatest concern." And I, you know, I wonder where this is going. But uh, yeah, just a little little update on you know what Biden is doing to set the stage for November. And that's all the time we have for today's show. Comment, Jim Freedom, <laughs> in studio here. Any uh, any last hot comments? Ooh. What was that?
1: Uh, my ringing. Oh, oh. Okay. How about vibrating? Uh, All right. Jeremy Gooding earlier in reference to Corona, he was saying with, with Vegas opening one week ago, we're halfway to the time for symptoms to appear. I'm fully ex- expecting another round of bloated claims and irrational panic by next Tuesday ish.
0: Yeah, no, you know, and uh, I really appreciate that comment because I've been kind of ignoring the short term analysis in order to look at the midterm analysis right now, because I think that's more important, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're sort of reminding me, look at the short term analysis where they're, they're announcing more cases. They're trying to get us afraid of a surge. Um, And that this could lead to a new round of lockdowns, which could take us to a sort of new normal where
1: just a cycle of lockdowns. Lockdowns lockdowns
0: are just kind of things we do. Like if they can like, so this this is a sort of realistic part of a, a worst case scenario is that they they go hey we did it once we can do it again we took a funky off season flu bug and we turned it into this forced unemployment crisis and all this opportunity for government power manipulation and rich get richer poor get poorer blah blah blah, blah. Um, and, you know maybe it's gonna kind of excuse me you know, you know what let me put a really positive spin on this. It has been harder and harder for governments to make war. And this is, again, the pinker curve, the decline in violence, the deaths from war as a percentage of the global population is falling a very consistent decline. And wars were the, the best that governments had as a racket, as a way to make the rich richer and the poor poorer. Let's start a war. In fact, we can kill poor people with war. How convenient. Maybe with a virus. Maybe it's the same thing. And maybe there will be manufactured viruses, and that's, that's the scary part of this possibility. But even if they don't go to that, even if it's, if they, if they can't stoop to that level, and, and not, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but again, even then, like with war, if they can convince you, you know, I'm reminded of the Voltaire quote, those who can convince you to believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. Well, th- there's a, there's, there's not much of a limit to war. You have to kill these people, or your people are going to die. If they can convince you of that, you can do some evil, evil shit. With a virus, really, no matter how deadly and how contagious it is, the worst they can do is bully us into hazmat suit world. That's pretty bad. That's it's ugly, but it's not as bad as global nuclear war. So here's my real positive spin: and even if this becomes the new normal, and we see you know, a kind of ebb and flow and stop and go and waves of lockdowns and shutdowns. And this is the new government racket is the government manages your viral risk level, right? It's still
1: better than the war racket. So you can take some comfort in that. Draco Chainmail, coronavirus less deadly than a Gates Foundation vaccine. Hmm. I like it. I like it. I think it, huh? Hashtag exposed Bill Gates, he says. Hmm. I would say less dead. Well, less deadly than its own vaccine. Yeah, right.
0: Uh, no, that's uh, that's the joke. That's it. coronavirus. A virus less deadly than the vaccine for coronavirus. Thank you. Because it doesn't exist yet. Yeah, that that. there we go. We'll write that one down. All right, with that being said, next week, don't forget, we are going one hour earlier instead of 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. We are going to be going 9 to 11 a.m. Pacific time. So if you're on the West Coast, start your day. You can start your work day with me and Jim and CJ on Adam vs. the Man. Or uh, if you're on the East Coast, we got you covered for your lunch break. You can join us for your lunch hour. And then you can play hooky for an hour and stay with us till 2 Mm p.m. Eastern time. So thank you all for joining us, especially those of you who are with us live today. Any saved rounds, Jim or CJ, we get to go. Talking to you tomorrow. Peace and love you all. Be (laughs) excellent.